and welcome to the PC Gamer UK podcast. I'm Sam Roberts. I'm the editor in chief of PC Gamer, and I'm joined by Phil Savage, the who, editor of PC Gamer. There, we announced hey. it. Good, Ray. Uh, that was smooth, wasn't it? And not at all awkward by Ugh. two men who have new jobs. Um, we're here to talk about games. This week, though, we don't have games that we've been playing because we've been on deadline. Mm. Also, it's July, so nothing comes out until basically until Pyre later in the month from uh, Supergiant. Yeah. Uh, but before then, yeah, not so many new things that we've been playing anyway. No, um, uh, yeah, I've, I've played very little recently. Cave Blazers a bit, but I think that's been discussed to death on podcasts in general. So yeah, I think we, I think you've talked about it too. On uh, maybe, oh my god, maybe, maybe about two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. I realise it's been a hiatus since we last did a podcast, and that's just been due to deadline nonsense. But that nonsense has been put to one side as we've sent the magazine to press, and we're ready to jump into your questions. We uh, source these from our Discord, uh, which you can join via the PC Gamer Club. Um, You can find out more details about that at PCGamer.com. We also have questions from our listening post on Twitter, which is at PCGamerPod on uh, Twitter. If you want to send us just some questions, we'll pick those up and put them in here. And we've also had emails uh, to letters at PCGamer.com. Is that right? Nice, yes. Yes. Remember, remember all of those with no problems. That's remember, good. letters at PCGamer.com. Subject podcast. Yes, subject I'll podcast. I'll put podcast in the subject because you have no idea how much junk we get to that It's account. crazy, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. It makes me think twice about putting my email uh, address out in the public. Mm. Uh, otherwise, you'll get, like, Viagra adverts and stuff like that. Basically, all the things that GTA 4 uh, said were in emails. Anyway, straight to the questions. This is from S Stickman on Discord who says, um, How do you guys like to listen to podcasts and what other podcasts do you listen to? Um, so I think we might have answered this before a little bit. Yeah. But um, I've been listening to some new podcasts. I have some slightly new things to say. You've got but some new recommendations. Yeah, yeah. I've been listening to a mix of like frivolous podcasts and slightly more in-depth ones. Um, I've been listening to the Q&A with, I think it's Jonathan Goldstein. It's like a screenwriter uh, interview uh, podcast. And I listened to a very, a very good interview with... Um, Taylor, it's not Schilling, it's not Swift, it's <laughs> it's Swift. <laughs> Taylor, it's the it's the guy who wrote um, Hello High Water and Sicario. Uh, Taylor, ah, oh, Sheridan, Taylor Sheridan. Nice, um, nice and, Paul. Yes, very good. Um, and those are two fantastic films, like uh, modern day kind of westerny films. So um, yeah, I uh, that that's very good. That if you if you're interested in the kind of process of writing films, stuff like that, I started listening to a Simpsons podcast called Talking Simpsons. <laughs> Um, which is actually done by some old uh, future staff, I think. Really? But um, yeah, they basically pick an episode of time, and like, I'm not sure how I feel about getting so granular with The Simpsons. That was good. That was my natural question: is yeah. is this not too too deep into The Simpsons? It's slightly too deep, but it's uh, it's quite entertaining and and breezy, and reminds you of why you enjoy the show. And it's it, like I say, it's very frivolous, but like that's fine. Sometimes that's what you want when you. You come off deadline and you're walking home sad with a four-pound bottle of wine. I'll be honest, it's a six-pound bottle of wine. Does this answer the other part of the question, which was how do you listen to podcasts? <laughs> well, I the out, is I, the answer sad Well, I missed wine. out the part where I was masturbating, but yes, more or less it's, it's uh, that. Um, I suppose he's asking, like, do you play uh, do you play games or listen to podcasts? And I have done in the past. I used to listen to podcasts while playing uh, Rocket League. Um, okay, yeah. Or doing, like, um, I've done it before with, like, listen, uh, playing, like, a skirmish in an RTS as well. Like, you know, dial down the ridiculous uh, Red Alert 2 music 
music and, and have a little bit of that. But um, mm. basically, games where there's no narrative element. I, str- I still struggle with that, especially with things like Rocket League or whatever, where like my attention is drawn away every now and again, and it does mean that I realise I've tuned out like the last ten minutes of podcast audio because um, some dipshit was struggling to score a goal. <laughs> That's a very familiar experience. Mm. But like, um, but you've you've pioneered the uh, second screen entertainment, <laughs> Phil. But yes, but usually with things that I'm sort of vaguely familiar with already. So it was oh, like, like it was a West Wing rewatch. It wasn't like my first experience of it, which I don't think would have been possible at all. No, I mean, it would have just sounded like, well, it just would have been a, a weird radio drama. Wouldn't yeah. It? Also, the secret is uh, Terror and Firefall and MMOs like that never really held my attention enough to pull it away from other things. You can say that now that Firefall's dead. <sighs> I can. I can be mean about it again. <laughs> I sort of feel bad just for any kind of expenditure of human effort going to waste in such a way. But yeah, like also, it, God, I didn't enjoy that. <laughs> that's how I felt about um, when Fable Legends closed because, like, yeah. they'd shown off a bunch of like amazing art of that game. They showed like that universe mm. in a way that it never looked before, and then it was all gone and all thrown out, and that's just such a waste, you know. And then, yeah, these are just the ones we are aware of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This happens behind the scenes all the time. Um, okay, uh, yeah, I think that. About, uh, what about podcasts you listen to, though, Phil? Okay, so uh, podcasts I'm listening to at the moment. Um, the uh, guys who do the Idle Thumbs podcast, mm. uh, which is a video game podcast, they've launched a new one called Important If True, uh, which is just a more general, which is it's, it's sort of more general um, pop culture and tech news, um, and usually quite irreverent mm. with the tone, and that's sort of nice for a walk home or whatever, which is usually when I'm listening to podcasts, is just the 30 minute walk it takes me to get to work. Right. Um, and I'm sort of. This is a stupid thing to say on a games podcast, but I'm kind of over games podcasts for a lot of the time. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. Because I spend so much of my day having opinions about video games that I get annoyed when somebody on a podcast has an opinion about a video game that I don't agree with. <laughs> um, especially because often games podcasts are hosted by people I know. Uh, yeah, that will happen. At which point it's just like, okay, I want to actually argue with you about this, so yeah. uh, I can't do that in a podcast format, but I can do it in a pub format which is okay interesting mm. i am um, i i'm i have a similar attitude towards games podcast but i make some exceptions i listen to Eurogame is very sporadic podcast okay yeah um because uh chris donlan you need more of that donlan content yeah donlan's such a warm nice I don't think, uh, donlan is that uh, rare thing of a games journalist who is not available on twitter yeah <laughs> to, which is very sensible yeah. yeah very sensible so this that is your that is like your you sort of scheduled on on time yeah and also, also i think like chris bratt plays off of him like a slightly um slightly embarrassed nephew which <laughs> is a very a very nice dynamic i think um so that's good i listened to uh soren johnson's uh is, what is it what's it called is it total control oh or no that's um, that's uh, gainer's S- podcast steve gainer's was it like yeah you design notes design note. yes it, yeah, sorry yes else. um i get them mixed up because they've had some crossover in guests but like um yeah, uh, Design Notes, which is his very long conversations with devs, and like he gets incredible insights out of them. Like um, very good interviews with Sid Meier and Amy Hennig, and like you get the sort of like answers you'd never get from a journalist because people just drop their guard when they're talking to a dev rather than talking to a journalist because you know yeah. you, you, you they understand your process more, and you know usually they're not sat wearing shorts and Converse while they're interviewing <laughs> you. <laughs> 
uh, pay to do damage. They're just better people. Yeah. <laughs> well, largely. Um, so that's good. But yeah, like um, I think the key difference there is I don't really like listening to podcasts that have like games journalists on them. Right. But people designers. Absolutely, yeah, no, that's yeah. fair. I think like yeah, if, if it's people who actually have been through the process, I think that's quite interesting. It's mm. Quite like you know. Just media and podcasts and things about the process of creating something. Yeah, I guess that sort of fits in with you listening to um, script writing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, you're kind of like lesser spoken to individuals generally. You know, yes. Like um, screenwriters for films don't generally get interviewed. Like um, it's usually the director or the actors. Um, so yeah, it's nice to hear. And he he, well, he was uh, that in that specific case um, for Taylor Sheridan, such an interesting story. He was an actor on Sons of Anarchy. Right. And then he basically they basically told him. We're not paying you more than this, and he said, "Well, I have to get a second job just to be on this cable show as a bit part player." Mm. So he quit, tried to become a writer for five years before Sicario came out, and uh, and he had to like move out of his apartment in LA because he ran out of cash. And but you know, finally cracked it, and has just directed a film with um, Jeremy Renner and uh, Elizabeth Olsen. So it's really interesting hearing his story. Mm. And like, um, also writers are quite cantankerous figures at, at the best of times, anyway. For sure, and they they make for good uh, they make for good interviews. And that case cool mm, yeah uh okay cool we've answered that one for sure uh buttface jones asks bj baskovitz has been added to uh quake champions and he's surely not the end of bethesda's cross-promotional efforts of the game who is the bethesda owned character you would most like you to see most like to see in the game and the least um oh definitely mickey rourke i was about to say mickey rourke <laughs> from rogue warrior yeah, uh, I, had, I had to get in there early because it was ruby from choice. wet oh nice <laughs> was that eliza dushku i think it was yeah yeah um I mean, it'd be quite funny to have some kind of like uh, version of um, uh, the Vault Boy running around, but um, also everyone... also weird and, and traumatic. As a kind of like limited time event, that'd be fine. But if you get into a match, like seven people have picked that, it'll be you, you you know that uh, like the Vault Boy would become like is it Odd Job in Goldeneye or yeah, um, yeah. the Monkey in Time Splitters <laughs> Two, where it's like if you pick it, you're kind of a dick. Yes, yeah. that's a dick cheap character. Why but... was um, Odd Job shorter than the other characters in Goldeneye? Because he was quite very tall in the films. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> we don't need to get into that remember. now. Um, but yes, um, yeah, it, it, you're right, and uh, it would be it would be kind of irritating. Mm. Uh, but then he would have a big head, so he'd probably be able to hit it a bit easier than some of the other characters to land a headshot. So that's true. Uh, but I don't really want to see that. I'm saying no. it like I do, and I yeah. I don't. No, no. Uh, to be honest, I'm not sure I even want to see uh, BJ in like quite. I don't no, know if I care. I don't. I don't really like it. It's like um, how uh, Duke Nukem was in Bulletstorm. Like. I don't think it's that bad. Uh, <laughs> Just because Duke Nukem's embarrassing. <laughs> but yeah. It, yeah, it's like that weird. I guess the problem is I've never got into one of these like um, character things that are explicitly designed to just pull from yeah all different properties with no relation to any kind of story or. What about Marvel vs. Capcom? You ever enjoyed those? I've never really played them, though. I don't really enjoy them as fighting games, but that's like, it. I, the iconography is so me that I can't help but enjoy I Dante guess, fighting I guess know, that's true. Spider-Man or whatever. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I'm not into Heroes of the Storm. I mean, I'm sure it's fine if you like that sort of thing, but it's not my type of game. So we're not big, we're not big Blizzard guys anyway, are we? No, that's true. That is true. Whereas uh, someone who likes all of those games will probably get more of a kick I out. certainly like Overwatch more than you do, but... Hey, I don't ha- I don't hate Overwatch. I didn't say you hated Overwatch. I've not played I enough. Of I it. liked it more than you did. <laughs> Look, which has ju- to be true because I gave it like a high eighties score. Just because I have a problem with Winston, 
okay? Just because I think that's a, a pretty lame character design. Sam, we're not having the gorilla argument again. <laughs> Let's just move on. <laughs> okay, um, Knighthood asks, question for Pod. What's the pettiest reason you've dropped a game? Oh, where do I start? I tried getting into Thimbleweed Park recently, but couldn't because everyone's head was too big. <laughs> that's a fantastic reason. That's good. Um, well, uh, there was a an intelligent gorilla in this shooting <laughs> game, and I just couldn't be doing with it. <laughs> yeah, glasses. <laughs> um, I think I've talked about how my enjoyment of games was ruined by um, the vanishing of Ethan Carter. Yes. Because a monster man appeared from nowhere and grabbed me, and there seemed to be no way to defeat him or get past him immediately. And I'd just been walking through this mine for ages, and I hated it. Yeah, it that was... I didn't like the game. So petty it didn't just put you off of Ethan Carter, <laughs> but every other game. For two the months. The entire medium for two months. Yeah. Um, what was it that bro- broke you out of that? Was it... Uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. Oh, okay. yeah, uh, but which is I still, still not finished. No, but I played about twenty hours of it in a chunk at that point. Mm. So um, I, I have, I'm Fair pretty enough. deep into it. And I, I do like it. I just uh, it's just such an undertaking. It's, yes, it, it is. feels like yes. such a massive game. I had to complete it in a week, Sam. <laughs> How long is it? Like, really? Is it like it's definitely more than like twenty or thirty hours, isn't it? I think I put forty into it, maybe. And you finished just, it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, yeah. But there's some a lot. of that was like skipping over chunks of like the. There are maps there that I've really not explored that much. So, you know, the optional side maps kind mm, of thing. Yeah. where They've all got a thing to them. Most of them have, like, a little story running through them. Yeah, or but, a dragon there. You know. Or a dragon. Uh, I think I only took down a couple of dragons in the end because, yeah, I just had to power on through. That uh, that map where there's... It's, like, it's raining on the coast and there's, like, a kind of, like, outcrop tower just to the side of the coast where there's a dragon swirling around. Yeah, Quite early. Quite early. Well, you meet yeah, Iron yeah. Bull. Um yeah, it's that, got like these weird hexagonal rock structures that are yes. staggered up. So, yeah, that is a beautiful location, and like um, I'm, I'm very fond of that game. Like um, mm. I, I realize its combat is super simple, and like uh, and some people didn't like that, but uh, yeah. god damn it, it's such a it's an and the side quests aren't great in most cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a beautiful place to explore with that party. Did you ever get to the island that is essentially just like one? It's, it's like one big mission that is a linear story and it's just about like undoing some curse over no. Co- oh no that was a good little area, area. okay yeah. well I should definitely go back to it at some point mm. but um, yeah so uh, yeah that, that game broke me out of uh, a, a funk there uh, but I have them quite regularly really and um, yeah petty reasons for ga- dropping games I don't drop games very often um, sometimes I just feel sometimes it, it's just because I'm not enjoying them like I um, I stopped playing Soma for example a game that a lot of people love yes and I appreciated the art direction of and the world of but I can't say I, I thought the voice acting was pretty bad and I thought that I mean, everyone's talked about how the game's better when you take the monsters out of it or where they're not attacking you. Yeah. I think that's true, but like, I don't think there was enough generally to pull me through it. Like, um, okay. for a narrative-focused game, the narrative wasn't enough for me. Um, even though I, uh, yeah, even though I appreciate the art direction of that game for sure. How about you, Phil? I can't think of anything like immensely petty, especially not certainly on the level of oh, his head's too big, I'm out. But I am a lot more. Um, I, I try to when I'm as I'm playing certainly within like the first couple of hours just like constantly assess okay am I actually enjoying this or am I just playing it mm. because um, there are just too many games and you know just in my Steam library and coming out in the next year or whatever to be to spend time playing one that's a bit duff mm. um, so I'm fairly selective like that like if I'm playing something and I just the feel of it isn't really gelling with me. I'll just stop, I think. 
a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm largely the same. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of some other examples. I've oh, I um, I have. Uh, this doesn't quite count, but I um, I did back in the day destroy a PS One because I lost a card to the random rule in Triple Triad in okay. Final Fantasy VIII. Um, I but, mean, that's an extreme but understandable reaction yes. to that <laughs> shit rule. <laughs> that was pretty petty. Um, but as you, as I grow up, I'm, I get less petty and I'm I'm more patient with games. Um, and in the case of both Soma and Vanishing Vita and Carter, I should have just got them finished really they're only about four or five hours long i mean potentially but yeah like if it's not if it's not gelling with you there's no you don't owe it any more time no it's true um okay all right uh, i just could think of something properly petty yeah that's very that's a very funny uh response i um i had a friend who dropped a game because he he said there were too many sunsets in it <laughs> and he 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 called it ultimate dusk because it was so that that was all every just sky con- was just orange and he hated Christ, how it kind of the felt. Witcher. <laughs> it definitely wasn't, although he couldn't get into The Witcher actually. Okay, but then he did get into Kingdoms of Amalur, so I wouldn't trust his taste. Did he get into Far Cry Two? Because that was another very <laughs> sunsetty game. No, I don't think he did like Far Cry Two. Mm, um, I'm saying he liked Far. Emerge. No, he liked Far Cry Three. So he's... less sunsets, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I sort of get his thing with that. Like, um, it kind of gives it a slightly melancholy feel that you're always at the end of like the second act of something, and you kind of like well, get on with it. But if the whole game's like that, you get a bit sick of it, I guess. One of the yeah, one of the things that disappointed me a bit about Saints Row Four. This is a completely random pull, but um, compared to like, I thought it was a better game than Saints Row the Third in a lot of ways. But also because it had this virtual city thing, it was just relentlessly kind of gloomy purple. Yeah, the city was always kind of nightish, neon purple, and I found it a bit depressing after a while. I was just like, "Oh, sunset! I just want to, you know, a bit of light, a bit of day biome, or whatever it is." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to vary up the look of this place a bit. Yeah, I know what you mean, and I'm, I'm very, um, I'm very fond of day and night cycles generally. Well, mm. I didn't enjoy the game Ryan recently. I did like the way it looked. The, the island looked different at night, mm. and uh, it was, the, the, it, it was beautiful when it when it came to those kind of like, yeah, those those lighting effects. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Next question then, Rhonda. Question: You are trapped alone in a room for a month. All of your survival needs are catered for. Well, cheese, cheese nice. and meat. Yeah. Good. Um, but for entertainment, all you have is a thick, dense book detailing in full the lore of a select video game or franchise, oh, complete with shit. <laughs> complete with popular community interpretations and interviews from the writers involved. Which video game or franchise or story would you choose to submerge yourself in over the course of that month? Woo. That's a big one. Um, oh, I suppose it would have to be a Bioware game. It's the obvious answer. It's probably got to be Dragon Age. It'd be Mass Effect for me. Really? The, the, okay. Origi- the, okay. the original trilogy. Only because I've not played Andromeda properly yet to yeah. form an opinion on it. But I will do by the end of the year. That's my promise to you, the listener. <laughs> um, <laughs> Look forward to that. <laughs> Uh, that's because like um, people, everyone told me that the lore of Mass Effect was good, but I I never like reading codexes in games. I just I feel like I've, I did that for a few games back when, but I feel like I did enough reading back when RPGs were back in the Infinity Engine days. Right, you know yeah. what I mean? Uh, I kind of I relish the fact that I could just listen to voice actors now and play it while lying sideways, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know hit the right trigger to punch a guy in the face. That I got on board with. Um, so Mass Effect, you know. Also, all of their writers are really interesting. Um, they're quite interesting presences on Twitter and stuff. So, definitely like to hear their uh, read some interviews with them. And I don't know, I don't think as much in the way of theories from Aspect. But yeah, how about you, Phil? Um, a lot of lore is very bad. Is the problem thing I'm struggling up against? Correct. I mean, I guess 
The Witcher has the thing of being based on a series of short stories, so you've got to assume some craft was put into them. Mm. You know, read through them, that might be all right. Yeah. But yeah. also... Oh, Something like Sunless Sea might be good, because that game is all reading anyway. true, yeah. Anyway. Like, um, that game is mostly reading, so... Yeah, I've yeah. never been... I haven't played Sunless Sea properly. I never really got into Fallen Law, um, London's resource management thing right um i just found it a bit restrictive i mean it, it, it is deliberately that but but the amount of ideas those games have are, it's, so yeah i yeah. guess something like that condensed into just like a big month-long book is probably an would be an effective way to yeah get that feeling yeah i think so also, they also obviously think quite a lot about the world building of you know i interviewed the sunless skies dev on stage at the pc gamer weekender which some listeners may have been there for hmm. uh don't look at the footage i've got a really weird head but uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, they um, they were uh, certainly that Thimbleweed Park guy. Should look at the <laughs> He'll be livid. He'll turn the video off. He'll turn his computer off. Canceling my subscription. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, they were really they were really interesting. Like the head writer um, Chris Gardner was there, lead writer rather, and uh, talked about you know the idea of like creating uh, sort of steam machines, not the console PC things, yes, but you know steam powered spaceships and stuff like that. Hearing uh, their kind of creative process around that sort of stuff, genuinely interesting. Cool. So that might be a good show. Um, I think I feel like I have absorbed a month's worth of Destiny lore into my being, right? And it wasn't worth it, and I don't recommend it to anybody. Yeah, I mean there are some fun sci-fi concepts in that series. Mm. Hopefully, some of them will be touched on in Destiny Two, but also oh, this is just endless, endless bad bad naming conventions yeah yeah i also you know deeply resented how they were on little cards you had to go onto the internet to read yes uh, but yes um that was such a way that, oh collect the cards and then you go unlock the full story it's like but you've put them on the internet which means somebody's just moved them to another site where they're all unlocked instantly so i can just read that story they're like this doesn't work for me or for you bungie <laughs> hence why they're getting rid of them i guess yeah. <laughs> um what about torment ties of numenera Mm, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah. My problem with Torment is it's slightly, from a law basis, I think it's a bit too... Too much going on? It's almost a bit too um, diverse in terms of, because it's because the setting is so far in Earth's future and there have been so many like civilizations that have gone and, and there's relics from all of them, I think you can put literally any concept in there and it fits mm. and it's just fine. And like, there's, there's almost... You like you wouldn't get through what could essentially be Torment's Law in a month because it could be anything. Right. Um, also, just playing through that game across like the 20 to 30 hours I played it was it's so dense with... like concepts to get your head around you wouldn't like to read that again but it actually uh, the concept of spending another month with that yeah i mean having sound. having that but you'd be just just exhausted it would be like the most exhausting month of stuffing your face with meat and cheese and <laughs> reading this craft just, beers you'd have craft beers like, every sentence just like some weird philosophical concept applied to five-dimensional space or something <laughs> and it's just like whoa <laughs> I got a free beer from Independent Spirit for mentioning them on Twitter. Really? Yeah, well, I like the thing is, I, tw- I, I didn't do this with the intention of getting a free beer, but I went there. Hmm. Oh, I said, like, I'm going to go buy a chocolate beer from Independent Spirit. And, like, I think it's because I'm a regular customer. Yes. And they thought it was nice that I mentioned them, I guess. But, like, um, I did think afterwards, do I have to declare this on some kind of corruption spreadsheet? Hmm. Um, because. Especially uh, now you're saying it out loud. And- <laughs> 
a recorded audio format. No, but the thing is, I insisted on paying for it, and they were, they wouldn't let me do it. And they said it's fine because they don't sell dark beers in the summer, and therefore right. it's not really a big loss to them because it I don't know, it might go off or whatever. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was uh, that was a strange moment where mm. I was like, I felt I felt quite uncomfortable about it, and then thought, I mean, declaring this would be weird, wouldn't it? Because I it's not like I tweeted it under the yeah. I mean yeah yeah. I don't think there's any yeah. <laughs> that's fine but anyway i want to say if you're reading if you're listening to this 4chan you've got nothing on us <laughs> uh, that's the like that's the only time that's ever happened and i, I felt so guilty that i went back the next day and bought the same beer for seven pounds so yeah that was uh that was the thing i did it's very good anyway <laughs> another telling look into your ne- neuroses <laughs> yeah <laughs> going I mean, back to because <laughs> The listener always needs more of that. Oh my god! It's called cocoa cacao. I think it's called. It's uh, very very good. But like, um, yeah, something like eleven percent chocolate. Gosh, um, to sponsor the podcast. No, no, no. In fact, let's take the name of the place out of the podcast, Phil, so it doesn't sound. Like, I'm you know, not going to do that. Oh, fuck's sake. Okay, we'll just move on to the next question then. Um, I think uh, we were pretty comprehensive there. But the, what I realised is I'd rather just read some books rather. Yeah, than just all. I'd rather have a good book. But yeah. I also can't think of like any game with a tie-in book that I'd really want to read. Uh, my girlfriend has mocked me for how few books I've read. Okay. Um, compared to, she asked me how many books have you finished reading this year, and then I said, first of all, do comics count? <laughs> and she said no. And That's then I realised I've beat eight games this year, mm-hmm. and I've. Uh, I'm, I've nearly finished one book, <laughs> and that's where I'm currently at. Um, so yes, if I was trapped for a month, I'd want to do that. Um, I'm glad to hear you agree, Phil. Mm. Okay, <laughs> next question then. Uh, Bliam, what were your screen names uh, slash online tags growing up? Among my friends, we've all realised even when we sign up uh, for a new MMO or service, we tend to use same screen names even if we're a bit embarrassed by them. I think um, what's interesting is that a lot of people who go into games journalism make their Twitter tags what their old online ideas, and then I read them and I'm like, that's a bit embarrassing to have as an adult. Um, See, all of mine, I have some really embarrassing ones, but all of mine have been stricken from the record. You'll find no evidence of them really out there. Yeah, there's there's a deep mystery surrounding your Steam, your original Steam ID that is apparently attached to an old Hotmail address or something that you have never, ever... (laughs) admitted to as far as i know to anyone except one person you sent a gift to who you were very embarrassed about that afterwards don't uh don't say that because <laughs> after the result of um free beer gate um <laughs> 4chan will come after me and they'll ha- and they'll hack my uh, steam account so they'll find out what the embarrassing name was steam guards mate they can't they can't get you that's true they have to get my phone first mm. um, which i hide in a very special place you'll never find <laughs> but um yeah, I. Uh, yeah. And so, so there's definitely an emba- something embarrassing out there for you. Do you um, have one? How do you feel about Octada now? Because that's like your thing, isn't it? It's, it's one of those that I don't even think about really. Like I probably should change it to just my name or something, but it's quite hard to get your name. It's hard to get your name on Twitter, especially when you share the name with like an American football coach or something. Yes, yes, I imagine it's a fairly common name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so, so, and so it's my or a band in my case. Yeah, or a band. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that I mean that was yeah an old screen name that just based off what I always do when I can't think of a name or something, which yeah. is look at song titles. Mm. Uh, and it's fine. It's just a word. It's not even a word that really means anything. So yeah, that's, I think that's fine. Like uh, that's not that's not in nearly not even in the same league as how embarrassing my email address is attached to my Steam account. I so wish you could change the email address attached to it, but you can't, can you? I don't think you can even use an email address like as your sign-in name anymore, can you? No, you can't. But I mean, obviously, all your receipts still go to um, yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's so it's all I say is it's kind of a Buffy reference. 
Oh, what? This is even better. This is <laughs> no, more I cannot disclose this. ever got this. out of you. And, oh, this is good. I can't disclose this. There's a reason that if anyone tries to find me on Steam, they'll see it's private and that I never add people who add me. Because I think a lot of quite a lot of readers track me down and then add me, um, but I don't add them back because... Uh, I don't I, think they can see it if they're bad as you can. No, I think the privacy settings are so such that they can't. But, well, I, don't um, think, I don't think they can ever see the email address attached to your account. Even no, yeah, I think you've, I think you're safe there. Yeah, I think so. I've just got, I, but I, I must admit, from that Steam gift disaster, I learned not to Steam gift anyone anything. <laughs> and so I thought, in in future, if I Steam gift something, I'll do it to like one of my other email You'll need addresses. A burner copy the, account. <laughs> yeah, copy the key, and then yeah, that's got to be it. I uh, yeah yeah, it's 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 pretty embarrassing. Like um, one day, Phil, if we're ever particularly drunk, I'll tell you. Uh, but I ca- I cannot admit it on this podcast. Um, hey guys, what are some weird ideas for video games you had as kids? This is from the uh, email, uh, PCGamer, uh, fuck's sake, letters at PCGamer.com. Uh, <laughs> uh, when I was 14, I had the idea of an open world horror game where you just wander around suburbia beheading people. Thanks, from Stephen Malone. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. Um, Beheadings, that's, eh? That's very funny. Uh, all my ideas as kids were pretty bad. I had an idea. I had an idea last year that someone's done, and it actually sounds really cool. Okay. And Richard Cobbett wrote it. It's the idea of um, a murder mystery phone uh, phone game. I was just after Pokemon Go came out. I had yeah, the idea yeah. of like there being these sort of like a Pokemon Go style murder mystery where you collectively in a town you have to find clues and figure out yeah who go did to the locations mur- yeah. mentioned and find out who murdered Pikachu. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. It turns out it was Sunday Marchoke or Ditto or something. Um, Already, you're beyond my knowledge of. Pokemon. Or it turned out it wasn't even Pikachu at all. It was a Ditto who was killed whilst dressed as Pikachu. Uh, That's sorry, probably again, quite funny. Again. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. What about you? Do you have anything like that? Uh, I, uh, this is one of those where I couldn't actually remember. I wouldn't be able to remember anything that happened to me as a child. Yeah. Let alone game ideas I had. Um, at university. Me and a friend did spy on us far too long, coming up with an idea of a game that was sort of based around the Warriors, uh, Rockstar's version of the Warriors, which we were so into. Oh, that's a great game. Because it was a great co-op game. um, That was set in the UK. It was a bit lads. Uh, It was a bit Guy Ritchie, I think, based on the design document. Uh, And the final mission, or one of the missions, was going to be... It was going to involve having a piss up in the brewery based on the idea that surely that can't be as easy as everybody makes out from the phrase. Right. But you can if the brewery has a tap room. But then... (laughs) Was this before craft beer, though? It was before craft beer. (laughs) Uh, But then I think I mentioned that to... uh, My mum was working at a brewery, and I just brought up in conversation (laughs) the the idea of uh, how difficult it would be to have a piss up in the brewery. And she said, no, it's really easy. You just, like, yeah, they... (laughs) They do tours. <laughs> it was like, oh yeah, no, that wouldn't have worked. I mean, I'd already dropped the game on it. It's not like it's not where we were like we got into production and it was that moment that the whole thing came crashing down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but at least two napkins were filled with that design document while we were drunk <laughs> in a pub one day. So, my question about that is, <laughs> here we go. Wasn't Rockstar? Wasn't there a rumor at some point that Rockstar was making a game like that called We Are the Mods or something? Do you remember that doing the rounds? I do not remember that doing the rounds. I mean, hopefully, I didn't make. I might have dreamt that. But um, I, I'm sure I read that there was some spiritual follow-up to uh, the war- to the Warriors being made by Rockstar that was set in the UK called We Are the Mods, huh. 
Rock, Rihanna Mods Rockstar Games has come up as a suggested search. So this must exist somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, Rihanna Mods Rockstar Game comes to light. Um, this was in 2011. Um, it's a spiritual successor to The Warriors, set in 1960s England and about the mods versus rockers. What? Um, I'd say in addition to that, it was also... Um, there were also a game called Gangs of London that was like a getaway spin-off from PSP. That I do, yeah. That's, that sounds sort of, sort of similar as well. But um, I can only assume Rockstar dropped We Are The Mods after they found out that we were, that we'd already started on something similar. <laughs> they thought we can't catch up at this they point. They were like, shit. They're well uh, into pre-production. Yeah, they've, <laughs> they've got two napkins of this. They've been like... Um, oh, uh, I'd, sorry, I just saw that our um, our promotions have been announced <laughs> by MCV oh, on nice. Twitter. <laughs> Um, so that's cool. Weird. Um, that was strange. Anyway. Um, we'll deal with that when we finish this, I guess. Yes, that sounds good. Um, okay, so the, that was a very good question. I, I want to give them some more ideas. Um, I, mm, as as a kid, I, I definitely used to draw uh, Command and Conquer units with my friend Reese. Yeah. Okay. We used to do that because we thought that the vehicles were rad as hell in that. And I think we um, we came up with all kinds of like weird uh, kind of like Tesla units and stuff like that. Um, because the actual uh, Tesla tanks and soldiers in the original Red Alert were very disappointing. They obviously mm. fixed this in the sequel because the Prism tanks were rad as hell. But, nice. um, <laughs> and like, and the Prism towers were amazing as well. How they were linked up to do like more powerful attacks. Uh, uh, I did spend a lot of time. I, th- I got it in my head that I wanted to make a mod uh, for Command and Conquer Tiberian's Sun because mm. be like there were some out there mods there with like these weird sprites that were put into the game and whatever to create new units. It was. There was some pretty wet and wild stuff, but because um, I didn't know how to do any of that, I most of my mods were just increasing the damage value of a thing to a ludicrous amount. Yeah, and that was good enough for me. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, cool, cool. All right, though, I just uh, I can't think of any more ideas, and I got no. massively thrown off by that tweet that I just read. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm going to be on to the next question. But thank you for your email, Stephen. Feel free to email in again. That's uh, that's a very good question, and I um I hope that your game about um beheading people in suburbia got taken through to the next stage. Mm. It does remind me actually of how I was the only person who was quite gutted when the original. 2K Australia version of XCOM was mothballed and turned into the Bureau. Oh, yeah. No, a few people were like... Because the original concept for alien designs and stuff was really... Yeah, quite out there. Weird. Yeah, like cool. like a more interesting version of Praise, really. Yeah. Um, these gooey things. And I, I really like the idea of a sort of suburban uh, American sort of 50 setting as well. Mm. I suppose it was right when I was watching Mad Men, so I was deep into that shit. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, with the, the kind of like cool alien crystal thing in the center of this everyday street and it had a bit of like Bioshock's a, a kind of like cartoony art direction yeah. as well yeah I was uh, I was always sad that that got uh, that got changed from what it originally was because it sounded pretty good mm. uh, and no one cared about the bureau so ultimately no one got a result they were happy with yeah, for access. Such, a, <laughs> such a weird situation that wasn't it like I wonder if that would have people would have been more up for that more open to that if they knew XCOM the Firaxis version was already being was made. already being made was in the works yeah. so they didn't have to like panic about what 2K was doing to the XCOM series yeah it probably would have been sensible to not call it XCOM and just to call it something else well yeah but the XCOM is such a good name isn't it XCOM's like, a good name it's got a bit of history it's not like calling it the Bureau work for anybody no it's true the Bureau XCOM declassified um, with this very boring standard looking art direction yeah. and like only a few remnants of what it used to be uh, yeah, there was a video of that that um, 
Jordan Thomas, who was working on it for a bit, did like the um, did the commentary of mm. for E3 2010, I think it was, that made that game look amazing. So you start in this little kind of like uh, bureau FBI ish yeah. kind of like area, and like this guy who's voiced by Carl Lumley, who was the the main character in um, he was Charles What's His Face in Minerva's Den. They used him, and he was giving you a briefing, and I liked that because he was in Alias Phil, which we were talking about earlier. Yes. Um, and then yeah, they, then it was basically this kind of like team tactical shooter, and like some of that made into the bureau, but it wasn't quite the same game. And at that point, it looked really cool. I thought. Yeah, no, there was definitely a point where I was really interested in that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hey ho, that died mm. a death. Or some of the art they produced for it was amazing as well. Um, okay, next game. Um, Hi PCG, my question is about Steam achievements. Personally, I have a love-hate relationship with them. I find it so satisfying to get 100% in a game, but find myself being put off by games that have too many knowing it will trash my completion average. Do they influence how you play or your choice of what to play next at all? Keep, the, keep up the good words. That's from uh, CJ Toth, who uh, is very nice to us on Twitter about how much she likes the podcast. So yes, very, very grateful that. for that. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, so I don't at all, actually. Hmm. Um, just because it's... Uh, my completion average... It, I think it's balked anyway. Like, I think if you start a game, it doesn't necessarily count towards your completion average. I seem to have to go past a certain point. I have no idea. But it doesn't because I, I don't. I literally don't pay attention to them at all. Like, um, I did used to when I played on Xbox 360 a bit more. But um, I've more got into the habit now of just trying to complete as many games as possible, as opposed to mainlining one particular game to get all of the achievements or whatever. Do you still take notice of them when you're playing on a console or anything? Like. No, because I think even people who are—I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I've always assumed people who like the Xbox and PlayStation, uh, either one, uh, probably a little better at presenting achievements as a thing than Steam is. Yes, like Steam, they're so sort of varied, and they don't really. There's no like. Yeah. There's no hub where you. you Steam goes, look at you, you're great. Look at all these achievements you've got. Yeah. You can't just sit and browse your collection of achievements, as far as I know. And if yeah. you can, it's probably a third-party site. So it's not like... I don't think Steam really does anything to draw attention to them. They're just kind of there. You can um, pick them to use as, like, to put on your Oh, there's a showcase page. thing, yeah, if you unlock that spot on your profile or whatever. Steam's such a weird place. It's a very strange platform. It's a I'd... strange shop. Like Valve. um, like how it gives you a badge for like turning uh like uh a trading card into beans or whatever. Yeah. Like th- I've got one of those. I'm like, well, uh, I don't really want that on my profile. <laughs> I think that's quite embarrassing actually. You could probably take it off. But um, I'm sure. yeah, I, I I originally put up like a, an achievement saying I completed South Park, and I thought, well, that's really embarrassing actually. <laughs> that's like the gaming equivalent of sewing like a 25 meter badge to your swing trunks yes. when you're a kid. Do you know what I mean? It's like I don't I don't need to. I'm not that bothered about it. Um. But yeah, I, I, it did used to though, and I did end up I ended up playing Dragon Age, like Batman, in certain ways because I was conscious of that. But you know, so many old games don't have it on Steam that it's mm. largely pointless. Like, yeah, that's um, also true. Yeah, there's mm. no consistency there. Yeah, um, it's yeah, it's too late for achievements on PC. Yeah, I think I missed out on like the heyday of achievements. I guess like the early 360 era because mm. I had a PlayStation 3 at the time and a PC and neither one was doing achievements. Yeah, Sony fucked it slightly by 
doing trophies too late. Yeah, so they had the same thing where like it, any PS3 game of a certain age just didn't have any. Yeah, and then uh, games that didn't have them. I remember like they patched MGS4. To oh have yeah, them, do you remember like, when there were news stories years. endlessly about oh this game's getting trophies? Yeah, like, yeah. Gives a fuck. But I did play Uncharted again just to get trophies, which is really embarrassing in retrospect. I will say like even now like I'll probably. Every now and again, I'll browse through the list, and like if it suggests a way, what what I quite like two things I quite like achievements for. Um, one is as a way to spy on how your friends are doing with the game. Yes, that's <laughs> good. Yeah, because like if you go to the Steam activity list, that is a log of everything everyone's earned, so you can just browse through and yeah. find out. Oh, Tom Francis is this way far through. No, this far through prey. Nice to know he is Steam like, stalking Phil. Mm, <laughs> just any one of my friends list appears in that list, so yeah. they all get. They all, they all get my attention. I quite like that as well, actually. Um, that's that's true. Also, I like how it can show you how far you are through a game. If yes, you want to get that's to the also end of it. quite handy. For uh, Rhyme, that was handy because I was like, I want this to be over. When is it over? <laughs> when okay. is it over? It's over now. Good. But yeah, it's like like when a big game like Prey comes out with it, like everybody on your list is playing. Um, it's quite fun to just see like, okay, you're this far through and you're doing this route and you're doing this particular thing. And yeah. It's like okay, that's. That's nice. It can also um, punctuate uh, key moments in games in ways that makes that make them a bit give them a bit more impact. Yes. Um, so I noticed that in Steam, but where you do sorry Steam in Prey, where you do I think like a like a certain combination of things to an enemy, and then you get an achievement for that one specific way you did it. Right. That's then being used well, I think. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just saying, and also sometimes yeah, the other thing they do well is like just suggesting ways that you can play a thing like it's a nice way of showing off some of the advanced systems in a game yeah like by showing some of the sort of extra combinations and things you can do and that's a way to sort of think about your build and it's kind of it's like a little hint system that's mm. that doesn't feel like it's a hint system you get some nice sort of references in there as well yeah, like um some jokes there yeah, yeah um i meant weirdly i mentioned this in the top 100 um which we've written now, but isn't out, so we'll talk about that in the future. On the 27th of July. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is a specific achievement in Portal 2 called um, This is the Part Where He Kills You, and it is part of a like four-step joke where that line is repeated in different formats. I character saying it, a chapter title comes up, another thing comes up, and then the achievement pops up. Right, and it is like the sequence is so deliberate that they obviously timed out when that achievement would pop, so it was part of the extended joke, which I thought was a an impressive dedication to craft of making yeah. something funny, especially because for an achievement, it's only going to pop the once. Like if you ever pay. Re- replay Portal 2 you're not getting that achievement you've already got it so yeah I, I don't know that was the, the one I always remember is I don't know if this is in the PC version because I reviewed I reviewed this for a magazine many years ago but it's Mafia 2 hmm. um, there is a moment in Mafia 2 oh, to be honest I'm going to spoil it because it came out 8 years ago Might or well. 7 years ago um, in the Mafia 2 you kill the protagonist from the original Mafia as seen in the epilogue cutscene hmm. of that first game which is, I think, a brilliant conceit. And people actually worked that out, that that was going to happen before the game was released because you see an early version of um, uh, Vito and Joe right. in the first game. And you can put two and two together and figure out that it's it's set several yeah, yeah, yeah. Year, decades ahead. So it's a nice bit of connective tissue, but then the achievement that unlocks when you, you go to this guy un- and then kill this guy and then you see it all rendered in Mafia 2's much prettier graphics... Um, is that it says the mafia never forgets, and I thought that was a really nice. I've always remembered that one because that's a very good, uh, hmm. yeah, that's a way achievement can be used to add a little bit of storytelling texture, I guess. It's a small hmm. thing, but I've never forgotten it. Yeah, I mean, 
there are certainly like the way it's the way the systems used can be tiring especially like now we're getting games where now we're actually getting games on steam where it's like oh you can get thousands of achievements really easily and it's like why why is that good yeah but like you know it's another tool in a developer's sort of toolkit and good developers will make use of them pretty well yeah, which none of which I think is the original question, which is just do we do we actually do they influence your choice of what to play at all? Which is no, not really, not at all. But it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting to uh, yeah if you'd like to get back in touch and tell us what kind of like games it's pushed you towards. That's something we can discuss on uh, future episodes, like how it affects the choices you make. That'd yeah, be, that'd, that'd be, be intrigued to hear that. Okay, um, hey guys, got a question for you all. Uh, do any of you have opinions about a certain game you've been afraid to share, perhaps because you think you may be wrong or because your opinion is just a tad too controversial? As an example, I think The Witcher 3 is an overrated game. The world and writing are top-notch, but the combat is so repetitive it distracts from the enjoyment. Detracts, sorry. It's still brilliant, but I would uh, definitely rate games such as MGS5 higher than The Witcher 3. Feel free to berate me. Love the show. Keep it up. From uh, regards, Brad Roberg. Uh, thank you for your email, Brad. Um, that did come through the email as well, didn't it? Yes. Um, cool. Um, we have quite a few emails this month. Good. <laughs> uh, so, uh, I have a few of these, but um, yeah, how about you go first, Phil? Um... I think I agree that MGS5 is a better game than The Witcher, as evidenced by our Game of the Year awards that year. Yes, yeah. We did vote for that, huh? Oh, because it's a very good game. It's um, Yeah, it's outstanding. I also do like The Witcher a lot, but that's neither here nor there. I'm trying to think of controversial... What What do I think that's controversial, other than Dragon Age 2 is good? Uh, I'm trying to think of some. I, uh, I, I don't think... I didn't think Titanfall 2 was all that. Everyone oh, that. yeah, that's... Yeah. Yeah, this comes up a bit in the top 100 not to spoil too much but um yeah i thought that the campaign for that was massively overrated um next to considering that game was 50 pounds on origin um, mm. the new the new order and doom had way better campaigns and to me it felt there were there were those two good missions where it had a, a, a great idea there was the one where you've got the device and you switch between two different versions of the level um, yes. i won't say how or why um that's very interesting um, even though I don't think they fully explore the potential of that conceit, personally speaking. Um, and then there's the level set in like a factory where these houses are being built by machines and you're running between them all. I couldn't tell you a single other level in that game. Uh, okay, actually, like the one where it's being built, I think that one disappointed me a bit in terms of like when it was described to me originally, I think I pictured like a much more elegant version of that than what we actually got. Yeah. Um, but uh, there were some others. There was one. Um, there was one where you were outside, and I, I think it was mostly about route finding more than anything else. Oh, that that you I have to move enjoyed. the crane around to. Possibly, yeah, yeah, that, that was quite good. Right. Actually, yeah, yeah, quite like yeah. that level. And obviously, there were a couple where you were actually in the robot. I think enforced robot. Like there's one where you're just in a full war with different between the two two robo boys. Yeah, that was cool. That was good, but. That was the other thing is that people were saying that that like back and forth between you and BT was like this basically like uh, Turner and Hooch or something. But um, I mean, except you know Hooch could talk and was a big robot. But uh, unless you consider Tom Hanks to be uh, the uh, the robot, anyway. <laughs> Um, I thought that was uh, massively overrated. I didn't laugh at that once, and I don't really find it particularly endearing or any better than like any other dynamic in a game okay. like consider like you know some of the back and forth that like BJ Blazkowicz has with like other characters and hmm. Wolfenstein didn't think it was anything to write home about compared to a few charming moments but I mean yeah. it wasn't as good as if it had been a dog <laughs> but 
I but mean, then, you know, that goes yeah. without saying almost. We're comparing it to MGS5 again. Exactly. Right? <laughs> um, um, no, I, yeah, I, like, I, I agree that it is a lot for what you get, especially because the um, multiplayer kind of petered out. It seems to peter out quite quickly in terms of like how what people were talking about it. I don't know like what the health of that multiplayer community is, but yeah, um, certainly like it was overshadowed by it's quite COD expensive. and Battlefield One, right? Quite expensive for what you get. Um, although I did just basically like the shooting of it. I think. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think mm. the movement was amazing, and piloting uh, a mech is fantastic. Like. The new abilities, yeah, the multiplayer, fantastic. But like, um, I'm, I guess I'm just talking about the single player, really. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, that's not really that controversial. Because I'd still probably give it like a low eight or a high seven or something. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, controversial opinions. Hmm. Ooh, we're Ooh. doing uh, dead dead air on the podcast. Yeah. That's not good. Just, just the sort of think. thing. Hmm. That sort of thing that normally gets me to delete a podcast off my iPod. Oh shit! Uh, Constant chat. That's what we need. Uh, oh. like games I've hated over the years. Just all games. We should probably go away, think about it, and come back. That's not a bad idea. After we, we've actually let's come back to that one. Let's pencil yeah. that in for next week. Uh, yeah, yeah. Should we do that? Can do. Yeah. yeah okay. Cool. Sounds well, good. Well, no, actually, we can't because uh, you're not here next week. The week after, then. I'm not here the week after. Okay. Uh, at some point in the near future, <laughs> we'll do it. Um, okay. Cool. Um, dear Sam slash Phil slash Andy and all. Uh, oh, Andy. Remember Andy? <laughs> <laughs> When's it, he back? He's got to be back soon, right? I think he's back right, early next week. Um, so hopefully you're here. 21st, are you here for that one? Yes. Yeah, I'm here on the 21st. Andy's going to be in on the 21st. Yes. Cool. Uh, yeah, maybe me and him will do a podcast. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, isn't me, or is Eastern uh, game design leading the way at the moment on bigger titles? From the world-beating uh, Japanese open worlds of MGS5 to Breath of the Wild through the JRPG uh, FF14 Stormblood... Uh, Remaster, maybe that's maybe he means twelve. I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, anyway, Stormblood, uh, along with the recent uh, PC releases of some old classics, it seems there has never been a better time of it in terms of reception in the uh, West of Japanese creative leads and their singular vision. Sorry, I struggled to read that. I apologise for that. Um, when my thoughts turn to the next highly anticipated works, they are clearly also from the East. Um, Polish studio CD Projekt uh, Red and Battlestate Games Escape from Tarkov spring to mind. So I guess what you're saying is like not American or British, right? Yeah. Yeah, or Canadian. Um, the only uh, AAA exception might be Arcane, likely at the earliest con- concept stages after near back-to-back releases. Of course, uh, what remains is the strongest entry of the year from an indie dev, and this leads me to speculate as to why now. I think one factor, a point well rehearsed on the podcast before, might be the over-commercialized blockbuster AAA corporate production process, with its attendant big budgets and even bigger teams is likely detrimental uh, detrimental to the creative process organizationally the size of teams leads to a lack of critical nurturing and transmission of ideas keen to hear you debate the wider points or uh, or put the case for the west food for thought and discussion anyway keep up the good work and enjoy blighty this summer cheers sparky um well it's interesting because you and i have both played uh, a fair few japanese games this year right yes um i don't know if i'd lump them in with like uh, eastern european games though in terms of like i don't think so no no like no. i think yeah no there's quite a different set of cultural styles that yeah. work there i think the point though is that like places that i guess in the last few years america has largely been or sorry like, you know north america has largely been driving big triple a games hmm. and it's been something of uh japanese renaissance in the last uh, year or so then of course yeah that's what we're hearing a lot isn't it yeah uh, yeah um i think that's fair to some extent hmm. although mgs5 was a little while ago now yes and um 
yeah, um, certainly with and, and Zelda is the sort of thing you can only make when you're a publisher who needs to sell a console. Um, yeah. And you need a game that's going to do it. And you put basically two studios and a lot of people onto making it for five and a half years, which is not something that most companies can do. Yeah, yeah. Um, the results are obviously amazing, but like it, I don't think it's necessarily indicative of anything wider there. Yeah, um, and I guess also like the, the idea of the, it being like you know, multiple studios coming together is actually sort of counter to the point being made, where mm. like that that does sound like a more what's categorised there as a Western style development model. Of, yeah, you know, just getting all, all your resources onto one thing. Yeah, there's there's certainly a vision to Zelda, but like it's um it's it feels like a lot of different people. Uh, different crafts came together there. For example, there's one I, there's one story that's just reading, uh, basically about a man who froze to death on a mountain. Mm. Uh, and it's actually that's the one part where I thought I've seen this done better in other games in Zelda. Everything else in Zelda is fantastic. Actually, except the combat, that's not great either. But they, um, it's it's but it's brilliant. But it is good. <laughs> yeah, I'm it's, sure. Yeah, it's a one. It's a brilliant open world game with like some amazing kind of one off weird little places. It's it's an extraordinary game for sure. But like. Um, Outside of that, I don't know. Like you've been playing Yakuza, right? Yes, but that's always kind of bubbled along as its own weird thing. Yeah, I think like I don't think that is significant of any renaissance because yeah, that has that's like sort of one of the things that has survived through. It's difficult. Like these are these a lot of these concepts I've not really had to articulate before because uh, a lot of it is very specific to console development mm. as opposed to what I usually write about. But yes, there is like an era of like a type of Japanese games that still play like quite early console PS2 era games. Yeah, and they've, never, they've sort of they've got slightly better, but they've never really broken out. Um, and I would lump in things like. EDF, Earth Defense Force, like that, they are still PS2 games in nature. Oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, the, the all the all the extra resources just go towards making more ants on the screen. <laughs> that's seemingly, a, that's where the RAM goes. That is where the RAM goes. Um, <laughs> and I guess Dynasty Warriors as well is yeah. like that, that, that's I don't know big enough that they just sort of survive through this kind of I guess you'd call it like a low ebb of Japanese development. Yeah, um, but. Like I don't know, were obviously beloved enough that they were that they managed to sort of keep going even despite like there being less worldwide attention on them. Yeah, I think, um, and I think Yakuza's probably in there. Although the series has been getting bigger and weirder as it's gone along. Uh, yeah, and it I'm seems like that. it seems like more and more people are getting into it as well as yeah. it goes, uh, which is a cool thing. Yeah, Yakuza Zero does seem to have broken out a bit, and I wonder. It, I'm, it's hard to say why. Uh, I I think being on PS4. I mean that probably helps. Doesn't yeah, it? yeah. I guess big, that does help because yeah. yeah, the 360 was the big one last generation, and they just weren't on there. Yeah. Um. So I think I think that's a big deal. Like, I wonder um, if that is like a big part of it to an extent. Is that like Japan has never really been into Xbox consoles. Mm, so yeah. while the West was you know enjoying the 360, probably harder to persuade like. Japanese devs, where there's like maybe, maybe where it's not a shoe in that a thing's going to get localized over. Yeah, it, it makes it even less likely that there's going to be a 360 version at the time. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think to kind of broaden this a little bit, like I think the, there's a few things to consider. One is that like uh, as 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 Sparky mentions, you have uh, 
you have these ports of very well-liked games coming across to PC, like mm. Valkyria Chronicles, Vanquish, Bayonetta, Sega's responsible for a lot of them. Yes. But you've also got Capcom doing Dead Rising um, and uh, Dragon's Dogma. And even, so, you've even got, like, um, I can't remember who's responsible for the but uh, Spike Chantoff releasing things like Danganronpa. Yep. Those are coming to or PC the, now. The and, Zero Escape games. Yeah, uh, many, many visual novels are now on Steam. Yeah. Which they should they always should have been really, mm. but like that's that's happening more and more, and like um, that will only increase. Although some publishers still seem reticent about it. For example, Konami don't seem Konami did bring MGS Five out on PC, which is great. That was good, but they haven't brought any of the older Silent Hills or Metal Gear there. But what basically what I'm saying is that like you're getting this wave of good Japanese games at once on PC, mm. which is really cool. But like it's not necessarily indicative of where that industry is now. It's more that it's a best of. Yeah. So, and then, and, yeah, because yeah. if you look at the newer stuff, like that are part of the quote unquote Japanese Renaissance, like Neo, that never came to PC. Nope. Uh, Final Fantasy XV still isn't on PC. Nope. And um, that's and and that's that's not like massively beloved game either. That's like yeah, it was well no, received. I guess not. It was um, well received, but it's not like um, it was getting nines and tens everywhere. No. Yeah. But it is good. It is good. Um, it's a nice car ride with my boys. Yes. Persona hasn't come to PC. No. Nope. Um, and that is that that dev's been making those games for years, so that hasn't really changed too much. Mm. I think it's a lot of them coming out at once that's probably done it. Um, for sure. Like Persona and uh, Zelda came out at the same time here, which I think is why people started talking about this. Um, but I will say that it is good to see Japanese publishers going back to making games in Japan. Like, um, I really hated the trend last generation of publishers getting Western devs to make their games, disbanding Team Silent, yeah. then giving uh, giving it to a studio to make a five out of ten Silent Hill game. Like that was a, that was bad. Or like um, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, the Resident Evil game, Operation Raccoon City. Yes, crap like that. Or Lost Planet Three. Or like any of those games, like just that kind of westernized. They just took the identity out of those games, with There's the exception only with the exception of DMC. DMC. Yeah, DMC by Ninja Theory is fantastic, and it's a shame that didn't come first rather than last. But it was basically the last of those sorts of games. And it's yeah. the, the first time anyone had figured out how to do them yeah, well, how to do it properly, and with and even then the community hated it, or sections of the community hated it anyway. Yeah. I would argue there only needed to be a Japanese renaissance because publishers did that to themselves. Potentially, yeah. yeah. And um, so it's nice to see Capcom doing like um, Monster Hunter, even though I thought that demo at E3 wasn't very good because mm. it's not my sort of thing, I don't think. But um, a Monster Hunter, what's it called? World? World. Yeah. That's coming to PC, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, that is, uh, th- that, you know, that looked very of that series, which is cool. Certainly, yeah. Marvel vs. Capcom, that's very, you know, that looks very them as well. Um, yeah, even things like Tekken, Tekken Seven. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there's um, it's it's definitely in a better state, I think. But that's that's my take on the matter. Mm. Anything to add, Phil? Not really. Um, I think we discussed, like, yeah, we did we did discuss like multi studio projects in a previous podcast. Yes. It it seems like me and Andy. It, in my head, me and Andy had a slight argument about it, which. Sounds right. That may not have happened, but that's what yeah. I think happened. No, that is what's happened. Andy <laughs> said he didn't like it, but then we offered some uh, examples of it being done of it well. being fine. Like Black Flag, for example. Mm. Um, okay, so we've got three more questions. Oh, there's a controversial opinion. Go on. I don't actually think Black Flag's ship combat is all that. It kind of just annoys me. There's too much of it. It's like having to stealth around the bigger boats. I just find a pain. I sort of do like the feeling of cannonballs colliding into... 
like ships. That feels good in that, that game. That feels good. I don't like steering my boat into position where a cannonball can fire into a ship. Yeah. I just find that annoying. I sort of um I, I talked a bit about this in my preview of Assassin's Creed Origins coming next issue, but I basically I like it because it's quite intricate. Um, whereas nothing in Assassin's Creed is. It's hold down one button to do this. Yeah, that's fair. And so I like that. But um, yeah, that's uh, yeah. you can read about that then anyway. I won't, I won't bang on about Assassin's Creed again. On the reviews page, um, this, this is from Gary Burchill, who is a uh, game developer and longtime PC gamer reader. Thanks, mm. for, thanks for this, Gary. On the reviews page, the photo of Phil. Oh Why is there God. a strange grey tuft of hair poking out from under his T-shirt? Is he secretly a fawn? Uh, one, yes. But that's not even <laughs> what that is. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yes. I mean, we we actually promoted Phil because we found out he was part fawn. That was uh, ultimately what happened there. Mm. Um, why is that? We should have brought that with us to look at, shouldn't we? No. <laughs> Weird thing. So. <laughs> well, then we could have decided on on air what the uh, whether it was whether you are a fawn or not. Well, I, I know what it is. It's it was my belt. It's a frayed belt because ah. I couldn't be bothered to get a new belt at the time. That's fine. I've been wearing so this is, belt for ten years. It is a fabric white belt that is frayed at the end and the bit poking out is part of that frayed belt end <laughs> there you go. That was a mysteries su- revealed a surprisingly comprehensive answer Just the second thing someone has pointed out about that damn photo Should we get you a the new first one? being Chris Thurston uh, who pointed out that it looks like I was a tiny man trapped in the magazine <laughs> That is very true. Um, but I, I will say that um, Tiny Phil, as I call it, is mm. my favourite part of the magazine. It's like Pocket Phil. He's like, he, yeah, he, as Phil says, he is a man trapped inside a magazine. Yeah. And it is uh, frequently hilarious. Um, what's a game with UI UX so good that you forgot you were even using a menu or HUD? That's from Pierre on Twitter. Oh, that's an interesting question. Yeah, I should have again. Looked. Yeah, this is one of those questions I wish I'd prepared for. Sorry, Phil. <laughs> Uh, have you got the questions? Um, no. Oh, wait, no, there's the email. As we're walking down to the studio, it's like, this will give me time to hey, formulate some hey, strong answers. I've, it's been a very busy week, okay? Um, it's fair. Yeah. It's fair. Uh, uh, yeah. Good UI. Oh, I really like um, Resident Evil 7's uh, healing system. I've been playing that recently. How does that work? Well, you, you just see bits of red on the screen, and then you just use a herb. Um, oh, okay. And then, I, but the but the, the the UI is really nice. It just sort of slides in from the side, and you choose it. And, oh, and actually, you don't even need to do that. It's hotkeys, a hotkey hot to heal. So you just hit the right bumper or a key on your keyboard, and then you um you basically pour a little bit of medical liquid on yourself. Like and you're the fine. old Far Cry button to dig twigs and yes. bullets and stuff out of yourself. Uh, yes, um, that was I say that's one thing that Far Cry Two did well. Actually, was the um, the UI on things mm. like finding diamonds in your in your car and stuff. Yeah, and the fact that the map was a physical map object that you had yeah. to look at, which, which I just quite liked. The sort of uh, which yeah. Firewatch borrowed. Yes, you know? yeah. Yeah, 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 and fair enough, it's a great idea. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, that, there you go because we we often com- <laughs> complain about Far Cry Two and it's uh, you do. I, I'm all right with Far Cry. I so. like Far Cry Two. I gave us. <laughs> I do. I gave a seven out of ten back in the day. Um, which I stand by because I think it's a slightly flawed game. Um, okay, but <laughs> you, well, no, you complain about Far Cry Two, and we're comparing it to other Far Cries. Which yeah, is... well, because I think that like um, if you're going to play a Far Cry game now, you'd probably play the raucous one with all the fun open world stuff. Uh, like I'd play yeah. Blood Dragon instead of Far Cry Two. It's I a wouldn't. more enjoyable. It's a more enjoyable game. It just I is. Dislike Blood Dragon intensely. But malaria is not more fun than a Blood Dragon. <laughs> uh, I, won't, I won't. I will not have it. <laughs> Like, by all means, Far Cry 3, 4, or even Primal, but not Blood Dragon. But Blood Dragon's good because it condenses Far Cry into this really nice little island of stuff to do. Yeah, but it's intolerable. 
Well, well just the, the tone of it. You want petty reasons to hate a game. Like yeah. the opening, the bit where they're like, oh, we're going to subvert tutorials uh, by having making you thumb through endless tutorial pop-up messages. That'll be funny. No, it was just shit and annoying. <laughs> and I didn't want to do it. And then it... And then, after making fun of tutorials, they proceeded to do the basic, usual Ubisoft tutorial. They didn't. It wasn't even a replacement for their actual tutorial, which they also put in and was the same as every other Ubisoft tutorial. Yeah. And it was like, what the actual fuck was any of this for? Yeah. Uh, and then I played that game for another half an hour, but just, no. I never forgave it. Oh, that's... Uh, that's never entirely like that series. That is petty. Oh, that is yeah. both petty and, <laughs> to a certain extent, controversial, because Blood Dragon is quite beloved. Uh, it is, but probably I think it, I think it is something that is largely laughed at for its tutorial jokes and stuff now. Um, but bad, yeah, bad jokes, bad jokes. Uh, yeah, yeah, that reminded me of one actually. I got I was quite petty towards Oblivion because of its um, those faces that when you try and convince someone and the little yes, face, the amazing and stuff, expressions. I thought that is rubbish. Yeah, it's bad. I, yeah. I, was, I was hungover at the time playing on my friend Andrew, and he was in, he was trying to get me into Oblivion, and I never did. Sorry, Andrew. Um, but uh, I got into Skyrim anyway. But um, yeah, yeah, I thought uh, when you try and convince someone and they're angry and they, it's like a, a potato contorts, and like uh, I was like, <laughs> it's a very good system. Fuck this game. I mean, that's not even the stupidest thing about Oblivion. It's like it's not you, even close, really. Yeah, the what the best way to um, level up your athletics is to throw yourself off a building, or maybe <laughs> acrobatics is just to take full damage. So I just endlessly went uh, went a little route <laughs> to throw myself off a building to level up because I needed to hit so many level ups with minor skills before I leveled up the major skills so I could maximize my leveling up system. Per I quite level. like that though. It was mental. It, yeah, because they'd never do anything like that now, and it's, it's <laughs> well, yeah, because it was like super broke. But um, I mean, it was also more interesting just from a mucking about with systems perspective. Like mm. it let you get away with a lot more, which is fun. Yeah, we had a genuine answer for that UI and UX question in there, didn't we? Like we Far Cry Two, I guess, or Resident, Far Cry Two is a good 7. one. Um, Any you can think of? That is a question you have just asked me um, I thought and that I, I, I suppose, think and talk at the same time I suppose it's again uh, Firewatch that used the map thing mm, that was nice and I like how uh, yeah I, I, didn't, I couldn't remember if there's a UI in that game but I remember everything being very comfortable in terms of you know how a thing works and opening a, opening things and like nothing yeah it was it was just it, 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 it wasn't uh, it didn't have like extraneous details that distracted you from just enjoying the world and the story I like the point of the game I like how in Prey, things like the Fabricator and the computers are like physical objects with buttons that you actually interact with in a specific way. Because it means that not only... You can snap to it with a specific button, so you can just use it like you would any... Like a regular menu, like in Deus Ex, for instance, where you actually seem to load it into computer UI mode. Yeah. So you can do that, but you can also just use your Nerf gun or use them from a distance if, you know, you're close enough. Yeah. No, I... I, um, Yeah. I I, I love that about the Fabricator stuff. also, mm. the feeling of like um, those blocks being put in. Oh yeah, the actual oh. actually using the fabricator is a really nice system. And the recycler just seeing dropping all that shit in and seeing and all of those blocks drop, all that duplo drop out. You're like, oh yeah, just hoovering it up with a hold of the button, like like <laughs> yeah. how you don't pick it up instantly, like in Borderlands, if you're picking up ammo and you hold the pick up all button, mm. and it all just comes in instantly. Whereas in Prey, it sort of 
spins into you. It's like yeah. it just feeds in slowly. It's very satisfying. And it's that noise it makes when it tumbles out. Oh, yeah. That is the stuff. It's the only good crafting system. It is the only good crafting system. It's very, very good. Yeah, that's a that's a good example. That about answers that one, Phil, I reckon. Thank you very much for your question, Pierre. Here's this from N. Brady Easton, who said we should have answered this last week, and he was correct. But we didn't do a podcast, and we suck. Here's a question for the next pod. Just came to mind after spending hours tweaking settings on Hitman, eventually grimacing and putting up with mid-30s frame drops occasionally. Yeah, that was largely my experience. You have a 780, because that's what happens to me. Uh. Um, I will upgrade soon, though. Now I'm editor-in-chief, I feel like I should get a better PC. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, do you spend inordinate amounts of time tweaking settings in games to get that silky smooth experience balanced with the highest graphical fidelity possible? Or just start the game without checking settings. What are your starting and new game rituals? I'm aware I sound like a right tit. Wank hat well and truly on my head, and I'm proud of it. Um, that's not wanky. All, no, pe- all PC wanky. gamers yeah, do that, yeah, I we, think. That is just a natural urge, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I don't have any... I, I basically see how it runs on default settings, and then I, when it you know it starts jerking around, I'll be like, okay, let's go turn some ambient occlusion off or something. Yeah. Um, because I've got a 1070... I stick things on ultra. I see how it goes, and, and then I will like yeah, tweak and move down as needed. I assume that plays almost every. Oh no, you play at fourteen forty p though, don't you? I do also play at fourteen forty p. So yeah, I mean sometimes it's a compromise between whether I want like most things will run at close to high or, or very high or ultra on a ten seventy at fourteen forty p at around sixty or just less. Yeah, which like I don't get motion sickness from if it dips under. Um, 60 frames per second and also I've got a G-Sync monitor anyway so like a, a few dips are rarely a problem right like it all sort of works out um, I'm glad you use this as an opportunity to boast about all of your hardware yeah film, like. all these things I bought <laughs> I spent too much money once um, that's, that's what, fine it's yeah. good though it was worth it I, yeah that's yeah this is why I'm uh, yeah I'm waiting for the next NVIDIA card so yeah. like um, but with things, certain things like you think okay well, let's see what this do, like how high we can get the frame rate up what does this play like at like 120 fps doom feels quite nice at 120 fps even if it's just psychological i don't know what the actual how much i can actually perceive that as like an old broken man Mm, yeah well Um, sorry how old are you phil 32 yeah how is that sorry how is that old and broken if i was in esports i would be a decrepit pensioner by now well that's true yeah i'm not fortunately but (laughs) You could do something turn-based, you know, that'd be fine. Yes. <laughs> what would be a good... Uh, what would be a good turn-based eSport? There, there isn't one, is there? No. It's all about Twitch, yes. Because there are... I guess Hearthstone is that, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose so. But even then, they all you seem pretty young. You don't have to, young. like, snap. This is for the photos of um, those pro lads with um, Tim on Twitter. They look very young. Like, uh, I think you've still got to be pretty young if you're doing it. Maybe it's to do with just, I don't know, like... Maybe there's like a time run when your go is or something like that. Maybe know. yeah, above a certain age, you just like just some some sort of gene kicks in, and you're like, oh, it's not real sports. <laughs> yeah, so I think like if you're born in the nineties, like, uh, you're fine. Yeah, but... if if the dad gene has kicked in, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah, so if you've got a shed, you're, <laughs> you're screwed. <laughs> if you've got anything with black and decker on it, I think we're being offensive to both esports and dads right now. We're firing in all directions. I feel. Um, yeah. Uh, so what was the question? I don't even, even remember. Oh, that was it. Your rituals starting a yes. game. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, I'll pop stuff on Ultra uh, if it. If there's a chance, it's like a big, new, pretty game. Otherwise, just default, or I'll use that. Um, NVIDIA's got that thing, haven't they? The GeForce experience thing, where you can just say, 
you know what my computer is, sort this out for me. Yeah, that's pretty good. The only thing I hate about that is that um, you have to... Uh, the first time you sign into, basically, the first time you, you you use it, you have to sign in and create an NVIDIA login. You never had, you, yeah, you never used to have to do that. Yeah, and NVIDIA have introduced it since, and they've actually fucked the program up because that is so infuriating to do. It's awful, and like the um, the thing is that like it, uh, recently there was some kind of uh, settings change on my PC, and I needed to log back in. Yeah, and like finding the details was as if I could remember that password. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like come on. Nvidia, why did you do that? Yeah, what does, they've actually made that program hard to use. Like, I cannot find things like Shadow Play as easily anymore. It's weird to think that like it was made to be more convenient way of updating your drivers, so you'd have to go to a website and click Save As. And now it's like more annoying than mm. doing that, which is a shame. A very good piece of software, but you didn't used to have to log in. And well, that was I mean, a, a piece of software that is less good than it was originally, <laughs> yeah. but that does some very useful things. That sounds like uh, so basically every version of Windows since, <laughs> like, I don't know, 7, I guess. Uh, 10's all right, actually. I quite like 10. Yeah. I quite like 10, but it does. it's very needy, isn't it? Badges you with stuff. It wants you to buy yes, shit. Yes, it can be, yeah. Like, how, it, have you, how many times have you been asked to buy Office 365? Because I get I fucking. I think I disabled. I think I found out how to disable it, asking me to do that. Right, but I think uh, it's hostile to have that on by default. I think that's a very hostile thing to do. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, uh, but anyway, I'm not that bothered about it. I'm not going to tweet about it or anything. Um, okay, that's the end of the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Um, that was a bit unusual and went on for quite a long time, actually. Yeah, but. Right. Um, Hopefully uh, you've enjoyed uh, just uh, he- hearing that kind of random selection of stuff. We very much appreciate your questions, and we'll, uh, since it's a fairly quiet time of year, we'll probably do uh, a game-focused one next week. Then maybe do another mm, one like this. You're not here in next like week. no, the week after maybe. And actually, I'm, it's the twenty-first Friday. I don't know. We'll look that up after this podcast. Yeah, it's also possible I'm not going to be here for a lot next week, like okay. when Andy's here. So there may not be a podcast next week because I just don't think there's enough people in the office at any one point. Or it'll just be Andy talking to himself. We could is... also do that. I mean, he's missed a lot of podcasts at this point. Yeah. Maybe you should do that. I can make him all. come in and record five back to back. Yeah, so uh, we uh, but we will be back in the near future, mm. um, essentially when we're all back in the office together, which is actually a while away. But um, we'll probably do one with me and uh, Joe Donnelly. Joe Donnelly moving to our will office. be back for you, yeah. Yeah, maybe me, Joe, and Tom Senior um, in the on the week that I'm back, the last week of July. Yes. Um, but hopefully there'll be one before then. We'll see how it goes. And uh, yeah, uh, in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, letters at pcgamer.com to email Subject us your line questions. Podcast. Subject line podcast. Uh, you can also tweet us at pcgamerpod, or you can find us on social media. You look for us, type our name and pcgamer to Google, you'll find us. You'll probably find us, us. We're there. Um, and then you can also what's the other thing I forgot to mention Discord Discord if you're a member of the PC Club. Gamer Club um, which is uh, a reasonable price a month to get a digital copy of the magazine a free game mm-hmm. and also access to our membership channels and a very good RPGs magazine that Phil made in digital form um, those are all the things you can do but yeah you can ask us questions in our Discord channel we have a very specific thread set up in there for the PC Gamer podcast we'll have probably um, made a new We'll have probably made a new podcast by July 27th, but if we haven't, that's when the issue's out. Yes, yes, and then we'll be we'll be uh, doing our top 100 commentary at some point, so you yeah. can you can read along and listen uh, to our poor choices and uh, make your own mind up. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening. If you want to leave us a review on iTunes as well, that'd be greatly appreciated. It just helps us find more people and grow our community. And tweet um, a friend. Yes, a few people have done that for us already, and I'm very grateful, including, I think, at least one of the people who asked us a question today. Um, so yes, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon.